Good morning, Christ Church. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we love you. We trust you. We are incredibly thankful for you. We're thankful for this life, this time, this church, this community that you've given us to grow with you. We pray, Father, that you would help us this morning, incline our hearts towards you and what is right and what is good. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So it seems crazy, but we've hit that time of year where the holidays are coming up, and there's so much joy and delight that comes with the season and being together and food and celebrating and family. But with this joy also comes tension, disagreements, all the things that can happen in a family, good and bad, and emotions running high and people getting stressed. Turns out families don't always bring out the best in us. Sometimes they know just where to poke at us to bring out the worst. And we walk that tight line between don't say anything, it's not worth it, or maybe like passively, aggressively, like throwing those little jabs in, or just full on fighting because you can't take it anymore. Now it's interesting because when we study our emotions and how our emotions work, Travis Bradbury wrote a book called Emotion and Emotional Intelligence. And what he tells us is that our first reaction to events because of how our brains work is emotional. We respond to things emotionally um, before we can respond to them logically. So when events happen, the way our brain processes and works, we can't control that part of the process. The emotion comes first, the logic comes second. But even though we can't control the process, we can control the thoughts that follow the emotion. We get to choose how we respond to the emotions that we feel. Emotions can help us or they can hurt us, but we really don't get to pick or choose in how they work until we take the time to think about them and understand them. He says, when you understand your own emotions and can respond the way you choose to to them, you have the power to take control of difficult situations. Because here's what we know about emotion. They don't always tell the truth. I might feel a certain way. We feel the emotion. But just because we feel it doesn't mean it's fact. We are more than just the emotions that we feel. We are more than just how we feel in any given second or moment of time. And the more intense our emotions get, the more emotions play into it, the greater the likelihood is that they are going to control our actions and what happens next. But what Travis Bradbury reminds us is they don't have to. We can work to be self-aware of our emotions and to direct them in healthy and productive ways. But he says for that to happen, there's a few things that we have to do. The first one he says is, stop treating our feelings as good as, or bad. This is what happens, right? This is a good feeling. This is a bad feeling. And so we want to create two very simple piles of emotions, the good ones, right? The happy, the joy, the fun, the bad emotions, the angry, all of these things. He said, but there's a downfall to doing this. When we attach labels to our emotions, we prevent ourselves from really understanding them. If I say this is a bad emotion, I can't feel that way, then I never understand what's triggering it and why I'm having this response. So he says, just suspend judgment of your emotions allows them to run their course and sometimes vanish. And the second thing he says, so stop treating them as good or bad, and then watch 
the ripple effect of what happens when your emotions are on full display. Our emotions can be very powerful weapons and continuing to think that the effect of them, he says that it's instant and minimal will only do us a disservice. He says the key is to really observing and paying attention to the ripple effect of our emotions. Watch how people around you respond when your emotions get the better of you. When certain emotions come out, how do people around you feel? And how does that information help guide you in processing your emotions? And then the next thing he says is lean into your discomfort. It sometimes is uncomfortable thinking about emotions and why we feel certain ways, but he says rather than avoiding a feeling, move toward it, try to understand it, and then eventually you get to move through it. When you ignore emotion or minimize the emotion, no matter how small or insignificant, he says you miss that opportunity to learn or do anything productive with the feeling that you have. He says, to be effective in life, we all need to discover our own arrogance, those things we don't bother to learn about and dismiss as unimportant. But the surprising thing about increasing our self-awareness is just thinking about it will help change even though much of our focus will initially be on the things that you do wrong, right? I'm not getting this right. This isn't how I want it to be. But he said, don't be afraid of emotional mistakes. They tell you what you should be doing differently and provide... Def, uh, they give you innovation so that you can understand how you work, how you think, how you feel as your life unfolds. Every thought we think, every emotion we feel, it doesn't deserve free reign in our, in our life. Some need to be processed, some need to be thought about, some need to be redirected, some need to be changed. But until we spend the time thinking about them, we don't really understand what they are. But I love this idea because Ovid said nothing is stronger than a habit. We have emotional habits we've created in our life. We've created in our families. Somebody acts this way, I emotionally respond this way. Somebody does this, then I do this. But because habits are happening in our life at an unconscious level, we do them without even thinking them. And it's easy to pick up unhealthy habits over a lifetime. We get unhealthy habits in our actions, our thinking, our emotions. But how do we practice, instead of the unhealthy habits that we've had, especially going into the season of family and community and being together, how do we practice healthy habits, especially in our emotions and our thinking instead? So we're going to study this idea together, and we're going to use something that Paul says in his letter to the church in Thessalonica. He gives us three healthy practices that we can use in our life. This is what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love this because he said, let me give you some things that you can do over, 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 and over again, always, continually, in all circumstances. He's like, there's three ideas. You can rejoice, you can pray, and you can give thanks. These are inward choices that we can make every single day in our life. These can be benchmarks that we set for ourselves in our hearts, our emotions, our minds, and our thinking. And it's interesting because he said, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If we're ever trying to figure out, like, what does God want for me? Or struggling to kind of process, like, who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do next. Paul's like, let me give you three choices that you can make every single day. 
three ideas that you can practice and become healthy habits that you incorporate in your life. They focus your heart and your mind towards healthy places and forward movement in your life. Three things you can do every day. Now, it's interesting because he says you can what? You can rejoice, you can pray, and you can give thanks. So I want to kind of pay attention to what these ideas really, really mean. So I'm going to put the first two together, rejoice and giving thanks, because these ideas circle around and build off of one another. And it really starts with what do we understand is the idea of joy. I love the idea of joy, and I came across, it's my favorite definition from one of my study Bibles. It says, in contrast to happiness stands joy. Running deeper and stronger, joy is the quiet, confident assurance of God's love and work in our lives, that he will be there no matter what. Happiness depends on happenings. Joy depends on Christ. Now, I love this because we know the emotion of happiness. Happiness is an emotion that comes and it goes. Sometimes rapidly, you can be happy one second and then something outside of your control disrupts your well-being and happiness flees and you can feel a whole different way very, very quickly. Sometimes happiness feels elusive and you're trying so hard to chase happiness and the things you think that will make you happy and you keep coming up empty again and again and again. But joy is an emotion, a feeling, a choice that runs so much deeper in our life. Happiness can be based on circumstance. I'm happy when things are good. I'm unhappy when things go bad, right? It's based on what's happening around us. But joy is a choice. Joy is a movement. Joy is a connection. And it's not what's happening around us that makes us feel or lose our joy, but it's our attitude, our hearts, our connection to Jesus Christ. And what I love so much about this idea is God is a God of joy. When you study who God is, it's at, his, it, it, it's at the heart of his plan for you and for me. He didn't create us to live these grim, dreary, boring, miserable lives. He created us in joy to experience joy and to live choosing joy regularly. Every day, we have the choice in our life to move towards joy. And, and it's not based on things being perfect, everything going our way, no problems existing, no conflict, no tension, no stress. If that was the parameters, nobody could ever experience joy because life is messy. Life is filled with messy, hard things that happen. When everything is how we want it, then we experience joy. Nobody could live that out. Instead, we don't have to wait for conditions to change or life to change or the world to change. In this moment, right where we are, we can practice joy. And joy starts with looking at our life as a gift. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day things that have to get done and the places you have to be and the family to take care of and the job to do and this and that. And we miss out on the incredible gift that today is. Tomorrow isn't a given. Life is so fragile and vulnerable. The past is gone. We can't change it. We can't go back. But today is a gift. Right now, where we are in this moment, we have the gift of life, every single one of it, us. And we can find joy in just the simple gift it is to be present where we are right now today. 
I came across this idea, I can't remember how long ago. The highest compliment we can give to God, our creator, is to thoroughly enjoy the gift of life. One should never look a gift universe in the mouth. The best way to pay for a beautiful moment is to enjoy it. We can enjoy what we have today. We can rejoice. We can be glad in it. But to do that means we have to change our perspective and we have to change our attitude. We have to say, can I choose joy or am I just going to complain about the things that are hard in the moment? Because it's easy to complain about everything and do nothing about it. It's easy to see the bad and the hard and the struggle. They're there. We feel them, the tension, the stress. But we have to look for the joy. We have to practice and choose the joy and make a habit of it. Because complaining becomes a really quick habit to pick up in our lives. But it's a habit that does nothing healthy for us. It serves us in no way. It doesn't help us. It doesn't grow us. In fact, it affects us negatively and holds us back from thinking and acting in healthy ways. So how do we change the habit? Many of us fall into the habit of complaining without really thinking about it. It's one of those unconscious habits that we pick up. It's easy to complain about the things that are hard. We think, well, I'm just complaining. It's going to make me feel better. But it turns out every time we complain, it doesn't make us feel better. And it drags people down with us. Now they are feeling our tension. They're feeling our stress. They're feeling our misery. So to change the habit, you can't just will it away or wish it away. You don't just force it, like break it by sheer force of will. We've tried to break habits this way, haven't we? It doesn't work. The best way to change a habit that's not serving us in healthy ways is to replace it with another habit that you do want. Complaining is a habit, but so is gratitude. And this is where the giving thanks part comes in. When we really understand what joy is, the joy of who God is and who we've been created to be, we can replace the negative habit with a healthy habit like gratitude. We can find ways to give thanks again and again and again. What is this time of year, right? Thanksgiving, but a remembering of what we have to be grateful for, to focus on what we find joy in, to make, take this a moment to pause in all that we're doing and say thank you. Instead of complaining about how terrible the world has come and how terrible it's going to be, we get to choose joy and gratitude instead. What if this became a red flag that we placed in our life and in our hearts and in our thinking? Every time I find myself wanting to complain about something, which let's be honest, it happens more than we want to admit, but every time I find myself wanting to complain, I choose something to say that I'm grateful for instead. Every time that I just want to vent about something bad and emotionally dump everything that's going on on somebody else, I turn it into, that's a flag for me to say, what can I find that I appreciate about the person that I want to complain the most about? Just as complaining has a negative effect on our health, gratitude can have a positive effect. It's interesting because there's all these studies done into what gratitude can do, and it's linked to better relationships, improved mental health, better physical health, decreased stress, increased energy, and exceptional mental strength. 
What if this was a practice we, cho we choose? What if part of living lives of joy where we can rejoice and be thoughtful and grateful for this life and this gift and this moment is the practice of gratitude? Every day, start your day by writing down three to five things that you're grateful for. Instead of going into the day stressed about what you have to get done or how hard it's going to be or what you're not ready for or what you're tired about, right? All the things that we could list. What if we change our perspective every single morning by just writing down things that we're grateful for? And we're looking for ways to be thankful instead of ways to complain. I love, I read this other idea in an article years ago. Part of changing this mindset is the words that we use. How many times do you have to, do you say, I have to do this, I have to do this? Change have to, to get to. And it puts you in a more appreciative mode of thinking. So for example, I have to go to the grocery store. I don't want to go to the grocery store. Instead, I say, I get to go to the grocery store. I'm realizing what a privilege it is to have access to the food that I have access to, to put food in our house that we have food to eat. It changes my mindset. Instead of I have to do this, I get to do this, helps me focus on the privilege that it is and the gift that it is instead. You can change a complaining voice to an appreciative heart and it changes your focus and it changes your mindset. Sometimes it'll feel awkward, it'll feel weird. People will look at you like you're a little bit crazy, but the more you get used to it, the more it becomes your, your natural state. You're looking at the gift, you're looking at the privilege, you're looking at the opportunity instead of the negative and the things that there are to complain about. Instead of having a negative focus where we want to complain and focus on what's bad, we shift our mindset and our thinking to something else. Instead of wanting to complain about our family members, we say something we appreciate about them and we love them instead. Instead of the negative comment that's just right quickly at the tip of our tongue that we want to spit out, we replace it with something that brings us joy in the world. Instead of complaining, we look for a way to show kindness. Instead of being negative, we look for something good that we can say about somebody else. Instead of looking for the bad, we look for the good. And when we make this shift in our mindset, in our thinking, in our focus, it doesn't only help us feel better, it changes the atmosphere around us. We're teaching people what that looks like every single day by what we choose and the words that come out of our mouth. And for some of us, the greatest impact we can make for good right now in the atmosphere around us is saying good, positive, healthy things every single day instead of contributing more to the narrative of negative. We can focus on what we have to be grateful for we focus on joy, we give thanks, which leads us to the third idea that Paul gives us, which is prayer. And prayer is our invitation to do life with God, to bring him our life, our hearts, our thoughts, to talk to him about where we are and listen to him and ask for his help and his direction and his guidance. It's our time to think about the goodness of God and how amazing and awesome that he is. And the invitation to prayer is something that every one of us can do, no matter where we are in our life. You don't have to be an expert at anything to pray. 
It doesn't matter what level of education you have. You don't need to know a certain amount of religious words or have certain Bible verses memorized. It's about starting to connect our hearts to Christ and spending time with him. And it's something that every one of us can do anytime where we are. We can set quiet time aside every single day to talk to God. We can pray with our family, our kids, our spouses, our friends. We can pray in the car. We can pray in the morning. We can pray in the evening. We can do it any time. And it's something we can do as a community where we come together to pray or something that we spend quiet time with God, connecting our hearts to him. If we want to choose joy, if we want to give thanks in our life, prayer helps us do this regularly. Every day we start with what we're grateful for. We have three to five things that we're grateful for, and we turn those into prayers to God. Thank you for what I have. Thank you for the food in my house. Thank you for heat. Thank you for warmth. Thank you for this family, this moment, this church. Thank you that you are a God who is for us and loves us and helps us. When we change our heart instead of complaining to gratitude, and then we take that gratitude and turn it into prayer, we have moments where we get to take control of our emotions, our thinking, our hearts, and let God guide us and direct us in healthy ways. Martin Luther said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is a lifeline for us in our relationship with God. It's a vital part of who we are. And if we're going to live this life and do it well and fight the good fight that he's given us to fight, we have to remember we were not called to do this alone. And prayer is a touch point every single day that we have with God to remind us we aren't alone. The things we have to do, the obstacles we face, the worry, the stress that creeps into our life, the moments of tension and hard, God is with us. We can turn to him, and he is there to help us. Every time the hardness of life creeps in, we get to turn to God and ask for help. Every time the grouchiness wants to overwhelm me, I get to say, God, I don't want to be this girl. Please help me. Every time stress feels like it's robbing us of our next breath, we can ask God for help, and he is there with us. We pray again and again and again regularly. We pray in all things, in all circumstances, at all times, because we never stop believing that God is at work, that God is a God who helps because he hears us and nothing is too hard for him. We pray in good times. We pray in hard times. We pray in every single moment in between because God is a God who hears us. God is at work, and he is a God who answers prayer. What if just as every day you spend time focusing on what you have to be grateful for, that you can choose joy, you set time apart five, ten minutes a day just to spend connecting with God in prayer? What if it became a priority in, to, to us in our lives? What if it became time that we spent with our family and we prayed with our kids and we prayed with our spouses and we spent this time together connecting with God? What if what's most important to us right now, what's taking all that space up in our heart and our mind, we prayed about it again and again and again that we could turn to God and spend that time with him? 
Pray by yourself. Pray with somebody else. Share what's the struggle, what's the good, what's the gratitude, what we can spend time connecting with God. Max Licato said, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. My words might be awkward, but it, God is still God, and he's powerful, and he's good, and he's a God who moves in powerful ways. With everything going on around us, there's things we can control and things that we can't, things that are good and things that are hard. We have all of this next season coming up in our life, and there will be emotion and tension and stress and fun and holidays. But here's three things that we can choose every single day. Three choices that we can make to put us into a practice of healthy habits every single day. We can rejoice, we can pray, and we can give thanks. Not just sometimes, but constantly, regularly, all of the time, every day, we can look for joy. We can say thank you instead of complaining, and we can spend time with God to see what he might do in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our community, and in this awesome church he's given us to connect to. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us. I pray that we would recognize the unhealthy habits that we've established in our life, that we might take control of our thinking and our hearts and our emotions, and we might direct them back towards you. Help us to be people who rejoice and choose joy regularly. Help us to root out the negative complaining in our lives and to be people of gratitude and thanks instead. I pray, Father, that you would be with us, that we would turn to you, that you might help us and guide us in the way that we should go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.